Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to Romance at a Glance. I'm your host, Bridget. With me, as always, is Shawnee. Hello, my friend. Hello, Bridget. I'm here for you, Bridget. I'm here for you all the time. What's happening in the land of Shawnee? Well, our coloring book is going fast. I wasn't yes. expecting that, and I'm so excited about that. If you haven't gotten your hands on our little chibis all year long coloring book, it's called Color Me Romance. Color Me Romance. It's so mm-hmm. it's so sweet. Um, it's good for any ages. Obviously, we made it for adults, but anybody can color it, and it makes me really excited that people are as excited as I am about it. And if you want to support the show in any other way, you can buy the coloring book, or you can head over to Patreon, and you can become our patron. And guess what? We're going to be watching the Bridgertons together a watch along in December and that is gonna be hell of fire let me tell you right now um, so fun every time we do a watch along with our patrons it's so fun so I love the watch alongs because we're friends and you support the show and we love that about you but also we just want to get to know you and hang out and talk about yeah. romance and watching movies together it is not a quiet affair, you guys. It is me and Shawnee talking the entire time about the romance, the costumes, the lighting, the kissing, the tension. Uh, we pause it sometimes. We rewind for some good themes. Mm-hmm. It is a really interactive experience, and it is so fun. So we really hope you join us at patreon.com forward slash romance at a glance. Remember, we are explicitly awesome. So you actually have to type it in or hit that link. Woo-hoo. All right, Bridget, who are we talking to today? I thought this episode was really interesting because they are our second writing duo. We did talk to Christina and Lauren from Christina Lauren. Um, But they have been friends for decades and writing for a long, long time. And May Archer and Lucy Lennox actually started writing together pretty recently. And they have solo book careers as authors as well. And they met and they just kind of liked each other's vibe and they're like, Oh, maybe we'll just dabble and do a novella. And then that turned into a novel, which then turned into a series, which then turned into all of these great Licking Thicket books. So it was a really fun conversation. It was super fun because, like, you could see how they kind of finish each other's sentences. They all, they each know when the other one is the better person to answer a question and they deferred and whatnot. And it reminded me, um, Christina Lauren also, but they really reminded me of us because... yeah that's kind of really how we are like one is one is more methodical and one of them is the more like straight creative like a head up in the artistic clouds of awesome yeah. even though they're both very artistic obviously. yeah and they're both very awesome it's just like they complement each other you know it's like a yeah. yin and yang and so I really love it because that's how Bridget and I are and it's so funny sometimes because I forget things and Bridget reminds me because she already knows that I have forgotten <laughs> And I love you for it. Guys, I'm going to give you a little BTS on the podcast. We just hired an intern. What up, intern? How you doing? And we're so excited about it. And Shawnee was talking about something. And I was like, let's be honest. I'm going to be managing the interns. And we were done for like 10 minutes. <laughs> I was like, you ain't wrong. You ain't wrong. <laughs> Guys, on that note, let's get into it. Let's listen to these two little cherubs talk amazing, amazing stuff about writing and making money writing and just everything. It was, it awesome. was awesome. They were very forthcoming with their information, and that's always helpful. We are big advocates of women supporting women and of women sharing their numbers so that we can all come up. And let me yep. tell you, they're about it. So they put their money where their mouth is it. and, you know, their hard work where their mouth is. 
So, A, yeah. you ready to get into this, Bridget? I'm ready. Let's get this shit popping. Romance at a glance. Uh-huh. Romance at a glance. What you say now? Romance at a glance. Go ahead, girl. Hi, you guys. Thank you so much for being here on the podcast. Thanks for having us. I'm Bridget, and this is Shawnee. Yeah. I'm Lucy. Are, I'm May. We are so excited about this because your book was actually recommended to us by some peeps on Instagram. And we were looking, we're always looking for a diversity um, in our books, not only of, you know, authors of color, characters of color, but also different pairings. So we try to always make sure that we have male, male pairings. We have menage pairings. We have, you know, we try to, we try to every season, make sure that we're, you know, putting stuff in the mix. Um, And we had a bunch of people who were like, oh my God, you have to read their book. We're so excited. Thank you for having us. Yeah. I am wondering, like, how it is that you write together a book? Because it is a lot of writing, obviously. It's a lot of words. And how you keep it tonally one thing. Like, do... Like, does one of you get like the final pass or is that the editor who really makes sure that it all blends into one voice or how does that all fit? <laughs> Neither. Yeah, no, it, actually, it just happened like that. Actually, weirdly, we have pretty similar styles yeah. anyway, which is one of the reasons that we wanted to write together. Yeah. And we're friends too. And we plotted out the book together in advance. So definitely there were no surprises where like all of a sudden they ended up on a deserted Island. And I was like, what, how am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do now? So, um, yeah, we had, we had worked it out a lot in advance and we just have naturally similar styles. I think. Yeah. I think that that's the key. Cause I've collaborated with, um, two other authors before and in all three different collaborative series that I've done, I work with the authors differently and you, and you've collaborated Mm -hmm. with somebody before too. And it's, it's so interesting. You have to find your own way. But for us, um, one of the things that we do that we've found works for us that kind of took us a little while to figure out that this works really well for us. And this probably helps with that consistency. Mm -hmm. Um, We alternate chapters and our books alternate POVs. So one of us takes one POV and one takes another. That's so interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, you know, every chapter has both in it. So you don't actually end up writing just one character, obviously. Um, What we do is, um, you know, like, let's say it's my day to write. I'll write my chapter. And if it takes a day or two or three, when I'm ready, we FaceTime each other and I'll send it over. She'll read it while I'm watching her reactions. And so you get to see that reaction live. Mm -hmm. And then you also get to see, you know, like if, if I'm reading her chapter and it makes me think of something, I can say it right then. I can say, oh God, you know, we totally forgot to do this or, oh, this would be a great place to add this or, oh my gosh, what if we made this new side character that you came up with, do this, this, and this. So it's like this live interaction, um, Mm -hmm at each end of a chapter point. And then when we're done with that and we sort of make notes about what we want to change, we also go through our outline and say, okay, what's next? So let's say I just finished a chapter. We just went through my chapter. Tomorrow, she's going to start the next chapter. We go through what, what did we outline for that chapter? Does that still work? And what are some fun ideas to kind of like flesh that out? Mm -hmm. All those callbacks that you want to do like throughout the book, we try to remember to include those in two minds are better than one way, way better. Yeah. 
We definitely find that because me and Shani, <laughs> I mean, if you listen to our podcast ever, I'll be like, Shani, what was that thing we were talking about? And she'd be like, I don't know. And we'll be like, people on Instagram, tell us what we were talking about eight episodes ago. And well, people comment and be like, you were talking about this. I'm like, oh, thank God yeah. you guys are paying attention. Oh, thank God for the readers. You're like, what was the name of the, of the farmer at the feed store? They're like, it was Bill. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. So I'm actually curious why um, you guys chose to, wrote, uh, to write male male romance. Um, when I, I used to produce for Audible and I would see a lot of um, books come through and there were just not, a, there weren't a lot of male male, but I am seeing more and more pop up. Um, and so I'm curious as to why specifically you were like, oh, let's, let's do this because it's kind of cool. Yeah, it is really cool. You want me to go? Okay. Yeah, you got a good, I know you've got a good answer for this one. Um, I actually started off uh, worried about being in that space. You yeah. know, I'm not an own voices gay male romance author. So mm-hmm. I started off writing male, female contemporary romance just because I was too scared um, to, um, you know, take over anybody's room in the genre. Um, but I also didn't realize at the time, I don't think that, that, a huge portion of the readership of male, male romance is actually women like me, middle-aged, yep. you know, um, straight, like, you know, there's cis women. Cis women yeah. yeah. And so, um, so that's when I, you know, started to think more and more about it, but I still sort of didn't feel like I had permission, which I, you know, is kind of an odd concept, but my sister is an author also. She's a YA author. And she had a a good friend at the time who um, was a big Regency romance author who I just think is very smart and, you know, has lots of experience in the industry. And she said, you know, if that's what she's reading, you should, you know, that's what she should write. Mm -hmm. And, you know, be respectful, do your research um, and make sure that you're also amplifying own voices, authors while you're doing it. Um, And I think, now, so as soon as I had that sort of permission from on high, which is super stupid looking back on it, I should not have needed that. Um, I, I, yeah, I could go on. This is, <laughs> you have to be careful. I can talk about this topic forever. Um, but I think this is a very powerful genre for a lot of reasons. I think it's very empowering to obviously gay men. Um, because they're getting to see themselves on the page. We have a lot of extremely passionate gay male fans mm-hmm. and readers who are so grateful that because women like us write in the genre, there's so much more supply of stories in the genre. And that is not an angle I thought about before. Is no, it for you? And representation really matters. Yeah. Like having those stories out there, having a wide variety of stories right. out there, like everything from gay hallmark, which is kind of what we do to, you know, all the other different um, varieties of MM romance that there are. It's, it's really important. And we also, because we do have a lot of female middle-aged readers, (laughs) um, I think it normalizes something that should very much be normal, Mm -hmm. but maybe they don't, maybe they don't have that in their day-to-day lives, you know, depending upon where they live or how they grew up or, or whatever. So this kind of, it's accessible to them. I I think kind of what you're getting at too is like there are a lot of sheltered people mm-hmm. like me who don't necessarily have, or yeah. like I was um, growing up who didn't have a lot of exposure to different people, people who are different than us. And when you can have a book boyfriend who is different than you are mm-hmm. and you can get into their hearts and minds, yeah. you can, that really builds empathy. I had a neighbor who um, 
early on in my writing career, which I've only been doing this for four years, um, was just extremely, um, you know, sheltered, extremely sort of like, you know, her, her life was very narrow in a lot of different ways. And she, because she knew me personally, wanted to try my books. And I'm like, mm, you know, I didn't think she was very sensitive about, you know, any mm-hmm. LGBT topics. And, um, but she read my books and it was a game changer for her. Like she had just, it, she just, Mm-hmm. And I think that's hopefully going to change the way she is when she goes to the polls. Hopefully it's going to change the way she is as a parent. Hopefully mm-hmm. it's going to change the way as a neighbor, as a, as a neighbor and a friend mm-hmm. and in her church or whatever she does in her life. Um, and that's something that, that a lot of us feel very strongly about. Um, and again, that's sort of like, it's not amplifying own voices, but it is adding to the messaging by growing the genre and reaching out these different stories to different audiences. Yeah, we had a great interview with Suzanne Brockman and she was talking about her journey of writing from yeah, I died. I seriously oh God, died. You guys I freaked out. Before we before we started, I was like, Shawnee, I'm freaking out. I don't know what to do. And I was like, I'm gonna hold it together while we're interviewing, but I want you to know I'm freaking out inside. <laughs> Anyways, so she talked about her journey from you know the 90s writing and how they like she had like a, a random side character who is gay, but had like no, no subplot, no romance, no partner, no husband, no, like nothing. It was just mentioned that they happened to be gay mm-hmm. and the, they were like, you have to take that out. And so her goal was like every single book to force them to tell her to take it out and just put a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more until finally like Jules Cassidy got his whole line. he gets the movie star <laughs> Yeah. And, and it, you know, one thing she talked about, which is what you guys are saying is um, it's so important for white women to write people who are different from them because like you guys writing more and people buying your books means that, oh, hey, there's space. So other authors will start to write more and realize, oh, people will buy your books. I really and hope like, pay, publishers see For like, sure. hey, people are buying these books. Let's publish yeah. more there's of these books. There's a market here. Yeah. So now there can be space for for all of the own voices, people who- Yes, exactly. Yeah, because like if if there's no, sorry to interrupt, but if there's no, if, it, if you can't prove there's a market, then those people can never write an own voices book if there isn't, like someone's got to start the churn. Yeah. And uh, I think it's, I think it's awesome. I also, think we want to be love really, these books. So. <laughs> we want to be really respectful of that, of yeah. own voices and of not and taking a, a spot that could be somebody mm-hmm. else's spot who, um, who is own voices. But, you know, at the same time, hope, I think there's room for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. We've noticed just since we've been doing this too, um, I was talking to a film producer um, who, you know, has noticed, and I'm sure you guys have seen that Lifetime and Hallmark are now talking about actually producing LGBT content, which they have not really done before. And when I was talking to a a producer about who was optioning one of my books, um, he was flabbergasted when I told him what a huge readership there was of my demographic in this genre, because what that means is it, it, he now can go to HBO and say, it's not just gay men who are going to watch this movie. There is a mm-hmm. huge, you know, following of these stories and these romance stories and, and why that is, is a whole nother conversation. That's the conversation I could have for hours, yeah. but, yeah. um, but you know, because, because we're growing, hopefully this space in eBooks, it might also grow it in other media areas mm-hmm. like film or television or, you know, all kinds of other things. And like Lucy alluded to earlier, like 
by putting forward the idea that love is love and mm-hmm. making that that much more real for a bunch of people, mm-hmm. hopefully they're going to vote that way at the polls. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah, absolutely. I, first of all, congratulations on getting your book options. That's very exciting. Well, thank you. Well, we'll see. I'm trying to keep the expectations in the basement. You should, because we're in LA and and <laughs> my like, sister sold hers years ago and nothing but, has happened yeah. yet. So, but just even getting it optioned is still very, very exciting. So awesome. I, I wonder what you, like, if you had to choose like a style of your book on screen, would you want it to feel more like a hallmark? Would you want it to have a little more HBO where they can get a little nasty? Like where would you want it to fall in the That's spectrum a good of question. TV? Um, that's a very good question. I think for accessibility sake and reaching the most people, Mm -hmm. I would want it to be hallmarky. Um, because I think first of all, well, it's a good question, but at the same time, it would be a little truer to how we write it. Mm -hmm. If it had that theme, um, I, I wouldn't necessarily want it to be arty or gritty because I write like both of us write Hallmarky pretty much. Yeah. We write Hallmark yeah. with steam. Well, maybe uh, it could be maybe it could be like Netflix in the middle. You know, you get a little exactly. steam, but it's still clean. Lifetime after little, dark. Lifetime after dark. Yeah, Ooh, that's a good name of a channel. Hallmark we should after do that. dark. Yeah. We'll, we'll introduce a new uh, Hallmark after dark. The new channel. <laughs> that would be fun. I uh, first of all, me and Shawnee love the steam. We're here for this team. So this whole season, the reason your book was recommended to us was because um, Shawnee, I was gifting her a season of very steamy books. That was my goal. Awesome. So, but, but they also had to fit into the holiday theme. So I was doing, we did some paranormals around the, you know, October time. We did some Navy SEALs. That's how we talked to Suzanne Brockman. We did some Navy SEALs for Veterans Day that we went into. You guys are in the down home country boys, you know, small town sort of romance. And then we're rolling into the Christmases. So I was like, you guys, I need a male, male romance set in a small town that has a lot of steam. Go. (laughs) And you guys came up. Um, Pretty much her entire back catalog and my entire back catalog. That's that's exactly what we do. Yeah, exactly. Well, what is like when you're reading, are you into a high steam level or it varies? It definitely varies, but in general, I'm into a pretty high steam level. In fact, I'm, I'm into a higher steam level when I'm reading than I think I am when I'm writing. Yeah. Yeah. I used to be steamier when I'm writing than I am now. Um, I definitely notice that I'm writing less steam, not less steam overall, but less sex scenes basically. Or they're like, they're more emotional. Yeah. They're like, you know. Yeah. I like to read steam. Um, but like right now I'm reading Penny Reed, um, MF and they're, they're not super steamy. Um, and I, I love, you know, I love them for different reasons. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I love them for the humor and the characterization yeah. and the, the way she interweaves all these stories together and stuff. Um, yeah. So I guess it depends on what you're reading. And then we have a, we have a lot of um, MM romantic suspense that we like to, and, and author yeah. friends who are really good at that, where you're willing to sacrifice some of the steam to get those plot, plot. elements and the suspense, yeah. the tension. Mm-hmm. Shawnee is not into romantic suspense. I'm trying my hardest to get her into it. And she, she's like too, uh, straightforward. And she's like, well, they, why would you ever 
eat someone out while you're on a mission. And I was like, <laughs> why not? I'm like, For fun. Cause it's on. really fun. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> she's, yeah, like, there's, she's like, if there's people shooting, I'm not going to have sex with you. And I'm like, yes, you that are Johnny. The adrenaline. sales on my one romantic specific <laughs> novel. <laughs> I am hyper literal. So like the details get me. And so as soon as there's like something that doesn't quite make yeah. sense or whatever, yeah. I hyper focus on that. And then yeah. it, it ruins the rest of the book for me because I'm like, but that doesn't make sense. And once something doesn't, it's just, it's just like, Shani, Shani, I'm telling you danger and sex go together. Hand yes. in hand, hand in yes. hand, my friend. <laughs> I, adrenaline is spiking. Listen, when yeah. I read a romantic suspense book, it's the exact same as when I watch like a horror movie. I'm out loud yelling at the book. I'm like, why? I don't understand. Why are you doing that? <laughs> go back. Go back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't get it. But I'm like, Shawnee. Yeah. It's hard to write both. It. I mean, the people who can write both successfully, I mean, balancing those plots mm. where you're trying to write romance and steam and then there's plot happening with a mystery and bad guys, that that is hard because you can't. Okay actually be shooting while you're having sex right. necessarily you have to so you have to like <laughs> you, you, have have to find, you have to prioritize. figure out where they'll be and how they'll have a moment alone that's exactly. safe enough and yeah for We're sure stuck so, in the closet hiding from yeah. the bad guys there's do one, you have yeah. a condom <laughs> where they're literally like in a jungle like there's a they've jumped out of a plane and they're literally in a jungle and they're like Let's do it. Yeah. And I didn't have any problem with that. What's more life affirming? That's what I'm saying. (laughs) I'm just waiting for someone to write a sensible romance, you know, where they're like, hey, I really want to fuck you, but we're getting shot at. So here's what we're going to do. Put a pin in that. (laughs) You need to try Alice Winters. She Mm. writes MM that is hilarious. And they, it's, it's like that. It's like, can you just hold on? while I get off of this electric fence and, you know. And then we'll make out. Then we'll find time. (laughs) So you guys plotted out, you plot out each book, but did you, for this series, did you plot out the whole series ahead of time or just the first book and then get into the second one? What series? Yeah. We wanted to write for a while, but we both, I mean... We've both Lucy had situations has, where we were committed to collabs mm-hmm. that we we had learned were it, that's very difficult to juggle with a solo career. Yes. So we were scared of getting into a commitment with a collaboration before knowing how it was going to work and blah, blah, blah. And so we both were like, okay, but it's only one book. <laughs> no more. It's a standalone. It's a standalone. <laughs> that's it. And so we build it as a standalone mm-hmm. and there was, there was no number one on the cover, like for a reason that was not a marketing ploy. That Mm-mm. was like, that was poor planning on our, <laughs> we really suck at writing standalones, it turns out. So, um, and we had a lot of fun and also because it's COVID times, yeah. this, like the, the collaborative experience between it, it was so much fun. It so was much so fun. much fun. And we, we weren't expecting it to be fun and fast like it was yeah. at all. And we weren't expecting it to be this easy. Mm-hmm. Um, like we wrote, we wrote both books, not together. So we, it, it for each book, it took us five weeks. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. And then that's, and the that's first, with, you know, like I can work on my solo on the day she's working on her. Yeah, but collab. we didn't even for the first book, we were like, Oh, not my day to I'll, I'll <laughs> be over here reading. I'll let you know if I find anything good today. And then, so we basically had like a vacation mm-hmm. and then like at the end of the night when she would be writing all day 
at the end of the night, I'd get to read a new chapter of a Lucy Lennox book. And it was like the most fun ever. And then I got to write like, you know, it, was, it is it was it's like Christmas experience. morning yeah. because when you're writing with one of your favorite authors mm. and you get, a, they, you spend all day in your recliner with your book yeah. while their your favorite author is writing a chapter for you. Just for you. It's the best thing ever. But no. Mm. So what happened was we just, I feel like we accidentally hit magic mm. with Licking Thicket, the town and the characters, and it was so cornball and yeah. so sort of over the top with the humor, but it had so much heart right. that we loved the world that we created and we weren't, we didn't realize necessarily that it was going to be that way. And so when we met the people of Licking Thicket, we didn't want to be done with Licking Thicket. Mm-hmm. And so- great, great town name, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Especially yeah. if you've ever been to Tennessee and know that it is very realistic. There's actually a place, there's a place called Licking, which is kind of where we got the where we got the thing, and then thicket is just yeah, you know, <laughs> it goes. Um, so we we um, so we knew we knew that, okay we'll probably write another one, but it was planned sort of like down the road, <laughs> yeah. down the road after we do our very serious solo book releases. We that were like are very important. We were like three chapters in, and Lucy was like, because Lucy's definitely the busier one of us. She's got a bunch of colla- a bunch of irons in the fire bunch of things going on <clears throat> so she was like what if we also did a Christmas novella like just oh, that's one more just one Christmas novella and I was like that's amazing let's totally do it. We'll Christmas in the, the thicket fall. Christmas in the thicket so we're gonna intro one one side one little character. bonus one little one bonus novella one guy and then we like we're like well what if we don't want to do him maybe we could like introduce like this other give ourselves like options and then everybody's like, I need so-and-so's book. And then I need this other guy's book. And people that people that aren't even gay. People that Oh yeah. One, like- one of them has a straight brother. We're like, well, he needs a story. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so fun because we we ch- just just for clarity's sake, we are not doing a holiday st- uh, story. It we changed it. Uh, it's, it's a winter, new year story winter. now. Yeah. Very but, different. Um, but <laughs> we um and that we're doing that specifically to like get in, you know, to do it as part of a big promo, like mm-hmm. a prolific works promo. But, um, but we, because we're together this week, we outlined that the short, and then we outlined book three, the full length book three. So there will be four in the series by the end of February. <laughs> and that's it. Uh, yeah. So and that's it. Drawing yes. the line. Sure. Yes. <laughs> Sounds like it, you guys. Sounds yeah. like that's it. But tell her, tell them the story about how we so we weren't going to write it yet. <laughs> what? Oh, and then, then we're just working on our solos, minding our own business. Mm. <laughs> and, and you know, my solo to, was the, my most recent solo. This is the solo I was working on in June. Also, interestingly enough, it just won't come. It is just not as fun. It's, like it's not as fun to write. It's really alone. good though. <laughs> it's not as fun to write alone. It's not as fun to write alone as it is to write with a friend <laughs> and to get to con- get immediate feedback and to see her laugh and to be like, whatever. So it took, m- after months and months of toiling alone, she also started to have a little bit of yeah, a, yeah. a moment we where she was like, pulling oh. teeth with her collab and we were like, we could just write that. I sent now. her a picture. No. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. Did yes, I send you a picture? Did I just, I just messaged her because we talk every day, you know, on Messenger. And I was like, uh, by the way, Diesel was the character who's going to be in the next book, the book that came out yesterday. I was like, by the way, and he owns a junkyard. That's all we knew about him from book one, really. I said, by the way, Diesel has chickens. 
And, I was and like, he loves them. I was like, oh my God, yes, he does. And this is mostly going to be a book about chickens, isn't yeah. it? And she was like, <laughs> yes. And she sent me a picture of like a chicken, the pullet palace. It's a palace for chickens. It's a, it's like a thing that you can build in your backyard. That's like better than the, better your than like home. a she shed, yeah. better than like, it's better than your own home. It has like electricity. It's Stings. whatever. And we were like, Yes, he does. Yes, this big tattooed, big tattooed biker dude. junker, <clears throat> junker dealer, over. right? Um, keeps chickens in a gigantic pullet, and he's vegetarian. He's he's a vegetarian because he's so in love with the. He chickens. feeds them organic, uh-huh. organic feed, uh, and and that kind I love of it. yeah. So. So we started going back and we were having so much fun just sort of talking about when we ride it, you know, later. <laughs> later. And finally we're like, <laughs> it started to, the allure Maybe of the we shiny. Maybe just take a, a quick break yeah. from our solos and start this. It, just really quick. <laughs> and it was, five it was, weeks. It was, it was like five quick. weeks. <laughs> Compared to how long I worked on that solo without being able to. Yeah. And it did. I mean, now the solo's almost done. Yeah. And yours Almost, almost we're probably at the same yeah. spot. That but anyway, it came so out yesterday and it's at 35 in the store right now. Woohoo! Uh, really exciting. Just a side note, I, I um that whole chicken palace thing is not that far-fetched. I know. <laughs> I know. Because my dad, now he's not a big biker dude, but my dad uh went on Craigslist and asked for people's like extra building materials that they, you know, didn't need anymore. You know how you can go pick up like stuff from sites that they're not using. Yeah. So he found got all these Mexican tile roofing, all these beautiful glass doors and this stuff, and then built a chicken coop that looks so nice. <laughs> like better than the house. Yes, it looks better than our house. And and I always I'm always joking, and it's got electricity, it's got these double, and he planted an avocado tree in there. It's like <laughs> completely like contained or whatever. Um, and then he treats those chickens like they're his children. Well, and- this, so that's what we're getting in our reader groups right now. Yeah. It's really resonating with people because they're sharing pictures of their chickens and it's it's super I- fun. Like when you have something like that, yeah. like the readers are loving it. And like we've pinned a bunch of really fun chicken stuff to the Pinterest mm-hmm. board for for this book. And it's it's been fun to use it in marketing. And it's just, it's just fun. And like right now, and part of the reason we dropped we didn't really drop everything, but but part of the reason we decided to go ahead and go for it is because like this year is unpleasant. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so tough. You know, having fun at work for us is amazing. But also giving the readers yeah. so much laughter. <laughs> like one person said they had to la- read it with their knees closed, which we couldn't figure out at first, but <laughs> we thought maybe she was gonna pee her pants. Yeah. But you know, they're <laughs> laughing when they're reading it. And like yeah. this year, especially, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I think we, we all want just a little bit, a little bit of joy, a little bit yeah. of uncomplicated yes. enjoyment, you yeah. know? And, yes. and we, so the books are like basically almost no angst in yeah. them. And for a reason on purpose, you yeah. know, because well, there's enough angst. Out there. I'm there's excited still, about there's still that. There's plenty of emotion though. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Cause, yeah. Cause we definitely you know, love romance for the reason that most of us do, which is that we get to escape and we don't want to have necessarily, you know, unless you're choosing it on purpose, but like most of the time, like we want to have a romp. Like I want to have a fun, I want to dip into the world. I want you to tell me this wonderful story where everyone, I know it's going to be happy at the end and with maybe a little bit of complication sprinkled in and it's just going to be a good time. So that's a a lot of like, um, what we've been talking about recently is, well, two things. One, 
um, having some sort of trigger warnings on books, right? So that like when you when you read a book, you know what you're in for. We were, kept reading a bunch of books where people were you had sexual assault or things in their past and stuff like that. And that stuff really happens. But sometimes when I read a romance novel, like I'm not, I don't want to go into that, to that headspace, you know? Um, yeah. And those books were marketed very fluffy. Like they had illustrated yes. covers and they had like the descriptions didn't really allude to any of that. And so we were like reading the book and all of a sudden we were like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you know? So like sometimes I was saying like in books, everything always leads to murder, right? So like they, they have a relationship between these two people, but some outside force is trying to murder somebody. And I'm always like, why is the most extreme? Like, why is that the worst? Thing? You know? And I'm like, because, because you wouldn't have bought it if, if they were trying to audit somebody. <laughs> but, but sometimes I just want to see the di- the things that are going wrong very like in the relationship, the things that they're fighting about just internally each other or trying to navigate because oh, oh, they do have an arranged marriage. Now they have to try to navigate what that looks like. And I don't need a murder on top of it. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's, it's nice to have a problem that can be solved in a really finite amount of space by a bunch of zany townspeople <laughs> pulling together <laughs> to like to bring these two chuckleheads together. <laughs> like wouldn't it be great if that was the entirety of the problems that yeah. faces, you know? I feel like one reason I love reading about small town romances because I grew up in just outside of Chicago, but like in a very inner, like inner suburb. So very city like, you know, I went to school in Minneapolis. I live in Los Angeles. Like I've never lived in a small town in my entire life, except for like in Africa when I was living there for a hot minute, but like never in like an American small town. But when I read these, I always think like, oh, how comforting would it be to have like little busybody down the road to help me with my problems or like the <laughs> diner, diner guy, Joe, to like really- sit, sit me at the same booth as this guy that he's trying to set me up with or yes. like, like I just, that's what, I, that's what we're, we plotted in one of our upcoming ones is mm. like, you know, getting the townspeople to like push them, you know? Yeah. So nosy. <laughs> we get a lot of readers who are like, I live in a small town and it is nothing like that. So it's very, you know, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. It's just, but, but I'll, I'll most likely never live in a small town and, uh, although who knows COVID times, you never know. You know but, right? uh, <laughs> I just, I don't like the idea of that. I like the idea of everyone like busy body up in people's BS. Yes. But like uh, in a good way, only, in a, in, a only good in a positive way. way. In a positive way. I'm, I'm curious though, like when you guys are um, deciding, well, one, how do you decide what the story is that you're going to write? And then like two, like what character, like when you come up with one character and their personality, how do you write a character that's going to mesh well with them? Like, what do you think about in that process? You know, I think for us, for this one, for this series now, um, we've ended up doing a lot of um, opposites attract to play with that, you know, play with those challenges. Um, So, you know, having a very sort of neurotic um, buttoned up character um, you guys, Lucy just pointed right at me. Yeah. It's a st- super stretch for good, my like a good shoes. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. having that kind of character up against, you know, the sort of like laissez faire motorcycle dude who um, 
you know, is go along, get along and doesn't necessarily need to keep a calendar because he'll probably remember. And if he doesn't, it's fine. That creates comedy, you basically, yeah. you know. And so we we definitely did that. And this book that just came out yesterday is very much a a, a, a press. Um, who's very, very, he's very well-intentioned and not pretty <laughs> at all. So he gets very flustered and he, he says something he thinks is wrong in the very first scene and to the other MC and he's very embarrassed by it. And so yeah. I, he doesn't know the guy, but afterwards he's, he's like, you know, and this is the South. Remember, this is Tennessee. I'm going to bring him an apology casserole Aww. and because that's what, that's good manners. And so finds out who this guy is and the guy is the owner of the junkyard. And so he pulls up in front of his house with an apology casserole. Well, that interaction goes wrong. And so he, he's very, very flustered because that is, that is not how this was all supposed to go. And so the junkyard owner, meanwhile, um, has inherited a baby because that's the trope we were writing. And he, and he needs kind of a husband to help make him look more stable than he is. Ideally a buttoned up. Ideally a neurotic buttoned up. <laughs> Goody two shoes. Stable calendar using. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Partner, yeah. You probably can't guess which one of us wrote which character. Um, <laughs> but it's so fun because when that, when, when he arrives to give this apology casserole to this stranger, the stranger is, is standing with his lawyer and he says, hey, honey, you're home kind of thing. And Parrish, who's standing there holding this apology casserole is like, that is not how I expected this to go down. <laughs> and so he sort of stumbles and mumbles and makes an ass out of himself again. And so now he needs an apology casserole for his apology casserole. And it's just, it's so fun to, yeah. to, to do that fish out of water. Yeah. He talks to himself. Like he, he'll, he'll be in a conversation with another character and he'll talk over them. I know what you're going to say. Yeah. I know what you're saying. And you're yeah. right. It is. And yeah. the, meanwhile, the other character yeah. hasn't gotten a word in edgewise. Right. And so, <laughs> yeah. So long story short, like a lot, there's a lot of opposites attract. I think yeah. all, of all of them. And that's what I was realizing attract. when they're asking the Even question. Even the one, like the next one. Well, okay. So the, the short story that we're writing now, the novella is literally enemies to lovers. And then the one after that is best friends to lovers, but there's still total still, opposites. One is a doctor and <clears throat> one is a farmer. Yep. A cow farmer. Yeah. And they're, um, but they've been best friends forever. Yeah. And so, um, oh. I think in terms of thinking about, the have they both been in love with each other the whole time, but they both, no, one of them is straight. One oh, of them is straight. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, wait. um, wait, 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 wait. So he thinks he, he straight, ish. Yeah. Well, he's ish. never had, he's never had an opportunity. Like he's never, He's never been in love or attracted to another guy before. So this is kind of this, his, he's never, it's never really occurred to him right. to look at this. It's sort of the concept of being, you know, pansexual where falling in love with the person right. leads to the sexual attraction. Right. And so for him, it has never really occurred to him before that he could have a physical relationship with the person who's always been his person. And when he finally sort of like opens his eyes and starts to realize I could also have like, this man is everything I've ever wanted, except he can't be my wife, you know? And, um, and he's an idiot. I mean, the book is called idiots because they're both idiots. And, um, and it's, it's, 
but finding that you're you, that you're fluid, that your yeah. that your attraction is sort mm-hmm. of fluid, and it's and it's a it's not a static thing. It can it can change, or even yeah. more more accurately, it can develop. Like yeah. you've never you haven't experienced the like the total everything that you're going to experience in your life. So to right. identify one way when you're like 20 doesn't mean that once you have a, a more breadth of experience when you're 30, you're not going to mm-hmm. be more open to different experiences. Yeah. So it's not something that has to be static. That's and very really, true. Shawnee, Shawnee came out as kink last year. Um, and she always kind of knew it was like maybe in the background, but like, you yeah. know, we're in our thirties and now she's like embraced it and taken classes and like got yep. a kink partner. And so we a hundred percent agree. Like things can evolve. They don't have to stay. Absolutely. Yeah. What you and I, I think in terms of us feeling more open to come out about all the different facets of our sexuality, mm-hmm. I was talking about this the other day, like however you feel about 50 shades as a book to me, 50, I'm 46 to me, 50 shades of gray being sold in the grocery store mm-hmm. was like, all of a sudden it was so mainstream. Yeah. Um, and like I said, regardless of how you feel about the book or about how it handled kink, like whatever, but, but right. in terms of it being so sexual and women being so open about reading it and or liking it and or hating it, it got women in my generation talking about sex and being more sex positive right. and, and open about their own sexuality. Mm-hmm. I noticed a massive, massive difference in my generation. And we're Absolutely. the same age yep. um, in terms of being able to, to talk about it, to think more about it, to be more open, which yep. if you can't talk about it and, and if you can't talk to your friends about it, if you can't, if you're embarrassed by it or, or in the closet about it or quiet about it, then you can't, you know, then it's so much harder to research. It's so much harder to, to, you could have one of your best friends could be into kink and you don't know because we weren't talking about it. One of your sexual partners could be into kink and you might not even feel like you can bring it up with your, like with your spouse. I definitely know somebody who felt empowered to do that in her marriage because, because of the like proliferation of various books. So yeah. yeah. And you're right. It wasn't just that book. I definitely agree. Cause like, I feel like, you know, like Bridget said, like I always knew, but they actually became like a breaking point, like quite literally uh, a moment where I was like, if I can't express this way, like, I feel like I'm going to break, <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> like having, having mental breakdown. Yeah. Um, and, and honestly, that just took time. That took time of not being able to express that way to get to a point of so much frustration that you break and it, you know, it took till I was like in my thirties. <laughs> Yeah. And it makes me so sad because I think of all the people throughout history that did break. Yeah. Because they didn't have easy access to research, easy access to partners, easy access to, to, to anything in society that gave them permission to recognize and identify and not feel shamed by that part yeah, of themselves. To live their truth. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think like for a lot of people, um, especially when we're talking about like this, this late bisexual awakening kind of a thing. Um, a lot of people think that it's, it's something that they should have dealt with a long time ago, or it's unbelievable. Yeah. But I think that's, we have a lot of friends who, yeah, because, we yeah, have a lot we, of friends who, who realized much, much later in life. And I think, yeah. and like you said, said they, they, it's not that they didn't know about mm-hmm. these parts of themselves. It's just, there's so much involved in claiming something officially yep. and, you know, changing your actions and, you know, I don't know. Feeling like you have permission. Yes. Not even sometimes even having the language to do that or, or knowing that it's a possibility that Mm -hmm. like, 
if you're attracted to a guy, you can also be attracted to a woman, like mm-hmm. not even knowing that, that you don't have to choose, right. that it's okay to, you know? Right. So, I mean, I mean, or that you don't have to choose either. Right. I mean, yes, that's the or, other thing. Yes, right. That's one of the things or, I talk to my kids right. about all the time. Cause right. my husband still has, my husband is really good yeah. about language, but the one area he's still not is that default, you know, of a binary, right. the yeah. defa- no, the default of being oh. in love with someone or finding a partner in your life, period. Like oh, that default yeah. of like, yeah, adults live in pairs, you know, or you will find somebody one day yeah. rather than you will be happy. Re- you know, hopefully you'll be, you can have a happy life regardless. That may not be something you're interested in. Um, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, just like on a random side note, like I, t- I told my, so I've always considered myself like a, a lumber sexual in a way where like, like I love like big guys, hairy guys, the more, the more hair, the more like testosterone, the better, you know, type of thing, you know, plaids, mm-hmm. I'm going to cut down a tree. Mm-hmm. And so in my thirties, I was un. it hit me like kind of unsuspectingly that now like the, you know, the K-pop guys that are mm-hmm. like very sleek, no hair, like jewelry or whatever. I'm like, uh-huh. Ooh, they're <laughs> doing it for me. <laughs> Yeah. I did not expect that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the other thing. Like I was raised to think you're one thing. That's it. You know, maybe you, you can label yourself, but then you're labeled for good rather than, you know, you can have different phases in your life where you feel differently about all kinds of things, not just sexuality or sexual identity or, you know, I mean, there a meme about like, it's like, it's it's okay to change your to change your mind change about your mind. things, but like, did did you did you watch Shit's Creek? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, well, that whole like season. I like the wine, not the label kind of a yeah. thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I I have uh, two little kids. They're three and one, and uh, I even with the three, like since she was born, I'm constantly like, you know, everyone comes over and they say like, well, one day when you have a boyfriend or you're married, and I'm like or you have a girlfriend or do you that are too. not I married. Was and also. it's so hard to con like, it's not hard. I mean, it's just what it is, but it's, it's hard to, it's hard to get people in older generations, you know, cause my parents are in their sixties and so are my, yeah. my husband's parents. And to like, you know, I like talk to them and I'm like, Hey, like we're trying to not, to not make it so that if someday she does like boys or girls or both, or maybe everyone because she's pansexual or or maybe neither. Like, I don't want her to feel like, well, all my life I've been told I should find a husband. And so now this is weird. Like, I want her to just be like, oh yeah, it's chill. Like I, yeah, I like that girl. She's cool. Oh, I like that boy. That's cool. Or like neither. And that's fine too. And it's really, really hard, like pervasive messaging. And one thing I think, I mean, like I, you know, obviously talked about Suzanne or Suzanne Brackman already, but like, I think it was great that I was exposed to so many books because my family is a bunch of readers. Like we read mm. everything all the time, as much as possible. Everyone's swapping books constantly. And we tended to read in the more like fantasy, sci-fi and romance genres. And those are places where there's a lot more diversity and a yeah. lot more different people and different pairings. And I think that really helped me. Yeah. Like, you know, like I had someone my, one of my, you know, relatives, she was like, oh, well, I was like in seventh grade. She's like, oh, well, cause I was like, you should have a wedding. Cause I wanted to have a party. This is the whole context of this. I just wanted to have a get together. I wanted everyone to come, wanted all of our relatives. So I was like, you should get married. And this is why, let me tell you my 10 point plan. <laughs> I was like, do all these things. And she's like, well, I can't get married because 
I'm gay. And I was like, we can have a celebration of your commitment. And I just like rolled right in. I was like, I'm on the party train. You can't, you can't deter me from the party train. Yep. And she was like shocked that I just like, it's not like I didn't Went care, with but I didn't care. It didn't yep. even, fa- it didn't even occur to me that that was a big thing for her yep. to say to me. I was just like, but you could have a commitment ceremony. We could all go. It will still be great. <laughs> I will make a cake. Um, and I think that like, you know, I'm 33, like that's like, even, you know, we're 13 years apart. I mean, like the messaging is evolving so fast and I'm so happy that like, you know, my daughter, if one of her relatives oh, or her yeah. friends yeah. or her parents, so says it, she'll just be kids. like, yeah, we cool. Teenagers. Like, like yeah. it's, it's so it's exciting. very different. And, and in the schools, and I live in a very conservative part of Georgia and it is still just eons better than it was, um, when I was going through school uh, in South Carolina. But, um, that's interesting that you say that because you know what that makes me think of when I got really into this genre and I started reading back all the big books from previous years. If, if you, obviously, if you go back before Oberfell, like the proposing to the, to your other MC wasn't an option. Yeah. That was that not your happily you ever, could, ever, happy ever after. after never included a proposal or a wedding or anything in those books. And so you can, if you read a lot in the genre and you you're reading back, you can see where that began to change and it's fascinating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it really is. And it's, it's such a reflection of our time. Um, but Oberfell, you know, made, a ch- made changes a lot faster than I was expecting in our, in our, in this country. Yep. Wow. For those perceptions. How do you guys find like the indie publishing space? Like, did you try submit to traditional publishers all the time? Did you just realize like, Hey, I want to control my own thing. You guys both write a lot of books, um, a year versus like maybe a traditional published author might only write one or two. So many, not so many this year in the COVID time. COVID times has been a cluster. Okay. It has been a cluster. The only reason I have so many is because I collaborate and get people. I sucker people into writing half of my books. The only reason me and Shawnee are succeeding at this podcast is because we, when one of us is down, the other person's like, come on, we can keep on keeping it up. That's the truth. And we have like, I've been calling it COVID grace, right? Everybody this year gets COVID grace. Yeah. Well, you, didn't, you didn't show up. That's okay. I give you COVID grace. That's right. We were just talking okay. the other day, though. Like, like January first, twenty twenty one. That COVID grace cannot, like, that's not going to end at the end yeah. of this right. year. I think people. No, no. Everybody has uh, yeah. this false assumption well, that New Year's is going to change everything. <laughs> I think that's freaking hilarious. One, because you are correct. Um, but, but two. Once I started saying this, I was like, oh, you're a mess, COVID grace. I realized, no, this is just the grace. I should be giving people at all times. Oh, that is so good. Yeah, that's gonna stay with you. You're right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Because you know what? It's always COVID. You don't know what people are dealing with. COVID is the thing we're all dealing with. So we're all able to give each other grace, but you just don't know when someone else is having their own moment in their own life. Yeah. 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 That's not as overt and uh in general, you guys both read a lot of books. Like you know, most traditional published authors that we talk to have write. One, I would say the the like really, really prolific ones who are writing constantly, maybe write three. Yeah. But like it's I, I find I find that indie authors are writing, you know, pretty comfortably like two Not to five two. books a year. Comfortably is Not is, comfortably is a in your word. writing. No, but I mean yeah. there's um well, so I can I never tried to go trad. Um I have a okay. sister who's traditionally published and okay. I have she 
um, has been traditionally published for over 10 years. And I have watched her experience and I knew from all the querying and all the stuff with agents and how long it takes. Um, I knew that side really well, but I also knew the indie side really well because along the way she had made a ton of author friends who were indie. And so I knew because of what I was going to write, because by the time I decided what I was publishing, I was writing MM, that in, in that space, in our genre, it's, you don't, at least four years ago when I started, it's a little teeny bit different now. You don't go into Barnes and Noble and see a giant gay romance on the front. I mean, red, white, and royal blue, notwithstanding. Yeah. You, you don't usually go in and see gay romance. They're, at that time, they weren't even in the romance section of the store. They were in the LGBT yeah. studies, which is way back in the corner next to maps. So that wasn't going to be lucrative the way it is for, you know, somebody like Nora Roberts or Debbie McComer or whatever. Um, so, you know, if you wanted to make money, um, you needed to try and find ways to cut out the middleman and that kind of thing. And, it, and it's so easy. Like if you can, if you can have access to the information on how to do it, if you've heard the success stories of people who've done it, um, that was never a question for me. What about you? You started with MF. Yep. I started writing MF with a small publisher and, um, and I think I wanted to go indie even before I had 100% committed. I mean, all I was reading was was MM romance. And so that became what I wanted to write also. Um, and so I kind of made the switch to indie when I switched genres to, um, yeah. And I, I think because I wanted to have more control over the covers on my books. I wanted to have more control over the way that they were priced and the way that they were marketed and that kind of thing. Um, and I think it, maybe it's different if you're going with a big trad publisher. I mean, not in terms of the control, but in terms of like how satisfied you might be with like the end product. But but when you have a small publisher, it's kind of like a little bit of the worst of both worlds in the sense of like, you don't have like a million dollar ad push. Yeah. Exactly. You're not like, you're not in Barnes and Noble, but at the same time, you also don't have that control. So yeah, I think that's why for me, Indie made a lot of sense. But I will say too, like, if if there are aspiring authors out there wondering about it, um, be very aware that it's genre dependent because mm -hmm. our readers in MM are primarily ebook readers. Period, right. and that's just a that's a, na a natural you know result of there not being a big selection of gay romance in your local bookstore, mm -hmm. and it is getting a little bit better. So now you might go in to a big city um, Barnes and Noble, and in the romance section. Um, they may, they may actually have one of my books that they've bought through, um, you know, Amazon ex distributor, expanded distribution. Yeah. It's kind of rare. Um, they will have Annabeth Albert's Karina press books. Mm -hmm. Um, what, who was it? Just a couple of, it's a couple of dream spinner books, maybe Alexis Hall. Alexis Hall. And then they'll have red, white, and Royal blue call mm -hmm. me by your name. And they'll have a ton of trad MM. Well, not M it's not even really MM really and YA. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of good stuff in YA. So it's totally different for YA, YA but again, a totally different it's a thing. different yeah. genre. So if you are going into MM publishing, I, I strongly, well, first of all, I strongly suggest consider everything, you know, it may be different for you, but I mean, yeah, a lot of our readers are ebook readers, in which case why go with a trad publisher, but also a lot of our readers are in KU. Reasons. What you're trying yeah. to say is, <laughs> 
Don't you do you don't you. have to. Yeah, hey, yeah, no, no, you guys, we're yeah. asking about you. You don't have to qualify yeah. no, your statements. Okay, so, For so, you guys, it made sense to do it. Yeah. And it's, yeah. It is very well known. There are exceptions to every rule, but it is very well sure. known that the bulk of MM readers are in Kindle Unlimited. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Oh, let's talk about Kindle Unlimited because I'm super interested in this. I uh, have used Kindle Unlimited like on and off, I would say, over the past, whatever, two years since I've had an e reader. Um, and I'm wondering how it works from the business side versus having your book for sale for like whatever, $3.99 or $5.99 or 99 cents or et cetera. Like what's the, what's the benefit or drawback for an indie author? I think the benefit is that when, when a reader has a Kindle Unlimited subscription, um, they don't have to pay to try your book specifically. So they're more willing to, um, to, they can try you risk-free. Yeah, it's risk-free. And and also for a lot of people, and myself included, mm-hmm. I'm a KU, I'm a KU reader as well as a author. Um, I read a lot of books, like a shit ton of books. And I it would be like, yeah, it would be prohibitively expensive <laughs> for me to be paying seven dollars a pop mm-hmm. for the books. Yeah. So um yeah, so it's great, it works great that way. And like, and I I love that that we get to. Uh, be discovered readers or they can be exposed whatever you want to call it yeah and Mm -hmm. but I think then um so there are pros and cons because it pays less so Mm -hmm. I earn less on a full read-through of a book than uh, in KU than I would if I sold a copy an ebook copy Uh um so I earn less however so so what you're looking at at that point is volume volume paid by the page yeah. Um, oh, so interesting. there's a little bit of funkiness that happens because of that. There's a little bit of funkiness that happens in terms of like, do I want to write a longer book mm-hmm. so that when I get one into the reader's hands, it's going to Make have a higher money. royalty because it has more pages. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but there are a lot of other factors that go into those decisions too. Um, the risk-free is the biggest pro. I, I, credit my entire success. Honestly, not my entire success. I do think I know how to write a book. Okay. But I don't think I would be where I am today if it weren't for KU, honestly. Um, A lot of our readers and a lot of super fans in the the romance genre as a whole, a lot of super fans or what what some people call whale readers, where they're reading like a book a day, Mm -hmm. they can't afford to, to buy 30 books you know, a month full price. Right. So a lot of them are in KU. So basically what it means is if you have, if the bulk of your readership is, is KU members, they are the kind of readers who are voracious, hungry. Mm -hmm. They can read a lot, which means if you're a mid-list author, you may not make the cut. If you're talking about a reader who only reads five books a year, but you will make the cut if it's a reader who reads 500 books a year. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's interesting to me, like reader behavior, uh, industry fluctuations, like right now we're seeing, um, a decrease in sales and an increase in KU reads because people are looking for that budget option. So they're cutting book purchases out of their budget, but they're saying, you know, I can at least keep 999 and then I'll just read whatever's in KU. But again, Mm -hmm. it is very different per genre. So don't take what we're saying as being really like, it may not be the same in cozy mystery. It may not be the same in thriller. Right. It may not be the same in sci-fi. We, we wouldn't know, but for gay romance, for sure. KU and is a, a great, a great, a great option. option. And then to, to, are you, are you like, 
I say out loud, but like, can you have a book be Kindle Unlimited for a while and then have it be paid? Like, can you go back and forth if you, you choose can, to? And even if your book is in Kindle Unlimited, a, a reader can choose to purchase it if they want to, if mm-hmm. they want to have a forever copy of it or whatever. You're only allowed 10 slots on your Kindle Unlimited subscription. So if you at are- a time. Yeah, I'm sorry, at a time. Mm-hmm. So if if um, if you're somebody that the reader likes and knows well, um, then they can go ahead and purchase your book. Yeah, yeah, we had a we interviewed LJ Shen and we popped her podcast cherry. We're very excited about that. And <laughs> she yeah, was kind of like telling us a little bit. I mean, because she obviously ha- does has such success on Amazon um with her marketing and her books. And like, like you said, her readers are voracious. Like you just need that group of people who are like the second your book drops are gonna order it, or the second your pre-order is up, yeah. they're gonna, yeah. you know, request it or make sure they're in the queue of people to download. So that's, yeah. It's difficult when you're asking about, we call that cycling in and out of KU. So it's a 90 day at a time commitment, Kindle Unlimited. And when it's in Kindle Unlimited, you can't have it for sale or distribution. Even if it's free distribution on your own website, can't do that. So after those 90 days, you can take it out of Kindle Unlimited. It's still for sale on Amazon, but you can also put it for sale on all those wide markets, libraries, Kobo, Nook, Mm -hmm. you know, Google Play, uh, iBooks, all of those. The problem is if you, and there are a lot of authors who cycle regularly, Mm -hmm. it's a big administrative headache because when you tell Kobo or any of those vendors, I need you to put this book, pull this book off because I'm going to put it back in KU. um, That is, they've distributed out to a ton of different little teenier Mm -hmm. distributors and it- In foreign countries in many cases. And so- if Amazon, if you go back into Kindle Unlimited and Amazon finds that your book is for sale on some random Italian retailer that you would never have thought to look for, um, then you're in violation of their terms of service mm-hmm. and you could, your account can be in jeopardy. Deactivated. So, yeah. Interesting. And that must be why I see people doing like, it's free now until whatever date and then it'll be for sale. Like they so they don't cycle it. They just do like the one time and then. Yeah, it's definitely easier to be in Kindle Unlimited and get out of Kindle Unlimited than it is to, I mean, they're less. Go back. Rich. Right, yeah. I, I'm curious. Uh, um, Bridget and I are very curious because, you know, we've seen all the covers of your books. Um, and we just want to know, like, where do you find all those uh, smoking hotties? <laughs> Because we do some research on our Instagram, you know, where we're just looking for different people to be posting. Yeah. <laughs> you need to you need to go through who we the people we follow on our Instagrams and you'll get you'll get some good stuff. Um, we shop custom photo. You use custom photo. Oh, pretty yeah. much everything unless it's Wander a short story. Thing. But the pri- the primary photographer that we both have been using here lately, especially mm-hmm. is Wander Aguiar. Um, mm-hmm. Wander Book Club is his website. And, um, yeah, they're, they're good. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. But there are several, um, and I always like, if anybody ever wonders authors, readers, whatever in the, on the copyright page in my books, do you do that too? Mm -hmm. We credit the photographer for the cover image. So if you ever want to see what photographer took that picture, you can find there and then you can follow them on social media and do you, no, get you, to go to the sh- no, do you get to go to the shoots? Do you go and just, let me just spritz no, you with I, some water real quick. Let me just make sure you got the right amount of sheen on there. Let me spritz you. Do you think you can give us a discount? Just wipe like- off your pet real quick. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
I know that Wander lives in Vegas and I know he does a lot of his shoots there or he goes to LA and does them in Southern California. Um, no, we haven't been there, but I know he and also several other photographers have told me that if you book a custom shoot that they can like live stream, you know, like FaceTime or Zoom with you so that you, during the shoot so that you can have a say and you can describe poses and whatnot. I haven't done that. I have done a couple of custom shoots mm -hmm. primarily for books where we needed a couple and the couple, which I try to avoid because it's impossible. Um, but where, um, we need a couple who, you know, one guy is bigger than the other guy and one guy is, you know, blonde and it's just so specific. Normally I try not to have the character description done and I will find the picture I want and then I'll describe the character that way because that's way easier than coming up with the character description and then trying to find a picture. Like, and yeah. don't ever write a redhead ever, ever, ever. Um, I, although I did. And he's not really a redhead, but he yeah. looks kind of redheaded yeah. in the picture. No, he is. The guy on the fire? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's Auburn. maybe Auburn. <laughs> well, unless you have a designer yeah. from Photoshop, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, we, like the cover, uh, we bought a stock photo for... Uh, no, no, it was custom stock. It was um, like premium stock for the short flakes. Yes. Yeah. And um, he's wearing a suit coat that has pinstripes and stuff. Well, that doesn't fit with our book. But the designer, the cover designer just photoshops it all black. And now it looks like a pea coat for yeah. winter. Oh, nice. So there are some things you can, you can have your designer. Another change. thing that we've been fortunate to do for this series is that they all are a little bit smirky or they're like covering their mouths in some way, which was really, which was smart of us yeah. in retrospect. <laughs> so <laughs> tell me, tell me we did that on purpose, but because, you know, it, it is so hard, like they'll be perfect in every way, except they're wearing some like goofy smile. And you're like, that is the least or, thing ever. Or the thing I, is, if you I write think... a guy with no tattoos, every model you see has tattoos and if you, and the wrong tattoos. Yeah. And if you write a guy who, who has tattoos, you cannot find, like, it's the weirdest mm. thing. So it's hard. Well, you guys do God's work. You, I mean, you really do. It, it's not the hardest but part I'll of our be, job. I'll be at home with my like laptop up and I'll be like going through oh, yeah. cover images. My husband's will be like, working, are you? Yeah. <laughs> you know? are actually, you, yes, actually, yes, I am. I am. <laughs> so, so if you get a the custom, then you can guarantee that that photo won't be on any other romance novel too in that process. Because I do see a lot of the same exact guy and the same exact picture, you know. Um, that's stock. So that's yeah. a lot cheaper. So that may cost the author five dollars, twenty dollars. Yeah. Um, but what we buy is custom stock where we're the only person who's gonna get that picture. That image. But they may sell a similar photo from the same shoot. Um, hopefully it's a different pose or it's a different outfit. So it's going to, it's going to differ kind of, you know, it's yeah. like, and, and they do try to avoid, you know, like when we bought a picture recently, um, they said, okay, now we, I know we've sold one like that recently. Let me go find it. And then he found it and sent us the picture. He said, what do you think? And we're like, oh, that's plenty different. Mm -hmm. We don't, but, and it was probably in MF, it was which is different, MF, and it different was readers a, and, and a couple of years old. And yeah. Yeah. That's yes. yeah, that's cool. Do you guys do you guys choose your narrators also for the audiobooks, or do you go through like an audiobook producer? We use the we self-publish. So, yeah. yeah. 
We self have you always used Michael? Mm-hmm. Okay, we use oh, the same narrator because because of you. Uh, because of me <laughs> because of you. Yeah, I'm a little bit um, a one trick pony on the narrator uh, front because it's it's first of all I love Michael Dean as is our narrator. Right. I love him. He's fantastic. And when listeners you get love a good him. one, you don't. But that's the thing; to... it ain't broke. Yeah. So I mean, people He's love really our good. audios. They're really really popular, yeah. and he is. A big professional. Uh, he's an actor, Fast. and he's it's super easy to work voices. with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shani only listens to audiobooks. She doesn't read the books at oh, all. Oh yeah, that's awesome. I'm a, I'm a big listener. Yeah. Honestly, I think one thing we always encourage. I know it's expensive, but we're always like telling indie authors like there are so many people like Shani. Like we won't review a book on the podcast that doesn't have audio because mm-hmm. she she won't read the book. Yeah. So. We're at a retreat with other authors here, and um, we have been talking a lot about audio because a couple of people have gotten into it since we were all together uh, like 18 months ago. And um, so we've been talking a lot about audio, and there's still a few people who it's it's a it's a very big investment. It's a um, huge, so we it's have like some, at least three thousand dollars. Yeah, to for put, a full length to put a to put a book in. No, audio. no, and I will tell you why. So the reason I got into actually producing audiobooks and I produced them for about five years, but the reason that that, that happened was because I read a terrible, terrible like audiobook. Like somebody read it and I was like, oh my God, somebody is out there on their iPhone. They just recorded this book into the iPhone and then they published it. And so, and this was on Audible. And I was like, that's crazy. How did this get on Audible? So I started backtracking and I found this website called ACX where you could go on there and like, you know, there's, there's narrators and there's authors and you can say like, Hey, I can do your book and you submit an audition or that sort of thing. And an author can pick you or they can put a listing and that sort of thing. And then you can get your book made for, for free up front and do a 50% revenue share. Well, we share. Use ACA. Oh, That's okay. What we yeah. Use. Of that thing. Yeah. And then it didn't, you know, some people won't want to play a fat, uh, flat fee so that, you know, the, they're not giving away money from their book. But if you don't have that in your first books, you could do just a 50% royalty. It's kind of a thing of like some of the, the authors that have like a big following in MM, because a lot of people will actually find a new author to them because they like, for example, Michael Dean, and they'll be like, oh, Michael Dean wrote, um, narrated for this author. I'm going to, I'm going to check that one out too. Just because I like to listen to his voice. Exactly. I like him telling stories (laughs) in my ear. Um, so if you want to have like a, a narrator that has a following following. that's going to bring that, a lot of them don't do the royalty Those share because, and I more get well-known it. names don't do. I get it because share. there's a risk inherent in that. If you don't sell, they don't yeah. sell, right? Mm-hmm. If you, and so they want to get paid up front and they want to do the per finish hour, um, mm-hmm. flat fee kind of deal. So yeah. it's not easy to find a royalty share author. It's not easy. I mean, narrator. It's not easy to find a narrator who does LGBT. Mm, that's a and really. it's not easy to find a narrator who does royalty share mm-hmm. and when you add those two things together wait why wouldn't why people. wouldn't they that's do crazy. lgbt well and you go back to the cover images thing yeah they're models who won't there are models who to don't want to be on a gay romance so whenever cover. we not from wander because we know no. he's fine but there are some photographers who when you say okay i would like to buy this image from you for a cover and they find out it's for a gay romance they're like sorry the model's not okay with that mm-hmm. Oh I'm going to send you a, a photographer that we follow. You guys might already know about him, uh, but he takes just delicious photos. Ooh. Some are really expensive. 
Um, yeah. Kevin Roll- rolled in. Rolled in. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. His photos I, I are oh, yeah. too die for. Too rich. Oh. <laughs> is he? Is he no. in France? Is he the one who's in, in France? LA? Okay. Or or maybe he's just sometimes in LA. I mean, photographers oh, no, are always Bou- here sometimes. Bougeon is the French one. No, Kevin, yeah, okay. I think he's in he's LA or Vegas. With dark hair. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, yeah. He, whew, yeah. his photos, I'm like, stop and come over to my house. <laughs> Do you follow follow Wander? No, but I will. Wait, now. Yeah, I yeah. Yeah. He, he sells a lot of images in MF too. I mean, you'll you'll start to recognize his style. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not, I mean, like it's it's weird because you say like people don't you know don't want to be on gay romance lover. And I'm like, yeah, that that makes sense that that exists. But like I didn't think about it because w- once we started producing, we were working with different narrators and that sort of thing. I mean, people just wanted money. So it's like if <laughs> if we were paying, they were reading, you know. And the thing about mm-hmm. it too is that you don't nobody had to use their real name in real life like for the, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So that's true. And, and we were only doing revenue splits, but we did do a lot of research ahead of time to see how much that author was selling, how good their books were doing, if it was worth it to do, even do a book with that, yeah. with that author. Yeah. And I do yeah. think some of the people who have proven sales numbers like that can make a case that will, that will make it more likely for somebody to take a chance on them. But if you don't have that and when you go into royalty share, at least right now in our genre, you tend to get, um, and there are exceptions, but you tend to get a lot of people who they haven't really narrated many books yet. You, you don't have a following. They, but you also, they don't have references. Like you don't know any authors who've used them to know if they actually meet their deadlines, if they turn right. in quality work, do they have the right equipment? Cause it's really expensive, you know, to have some yeah. of the right stuff. So there's just a lot more risk involved. Totally. How did you guys, obviously Kindle Unlimited was a big part of it, you said already, but how did you guys build up your fan bases as you were going through the indie author journey? I think one of the things that people don't realize about gay romance, um, and it depends on who listens to your podcast as to whether like if it's more readers or authors, but- um, More readers. Okay. Primarily. Um, We- it's diff- building your readership in, in MM, I would say, is very different. And, and MF does a lot of advertising. Yeah. We don't do a lot of advertising. It's a small enough genre. It's changing now and we're doing more, mm-hmm. but it's a small enough genre. It's very, very active on Facebook. There's a community. Um, There's a, a, real, a big community. A, community. a lot of reader groups. There's a huge Facebook group called MM Book Rec, which mm-hmm. is one of those places you can go and say, you know, I read a book about a guy who was in a purple shirt and he met this other guy who was walking a poodle and everyone's like, oh, that's this book. You know, it's a great <laughs> yeah. group. Um, and so word of, word mouth, of mouth is, is a biggie. And um, so, bu- and buzz, just, yeah. yeah. If there's buzz in the community about a book, that's pretty good. Also, a lot of authors are very, um, well, I mean, and I think this is true in MF2 to an extent, but like they definitely promote um, newer authors that they enjoy if, if yeah we try and we try yeah. and lift new debut authors up yeah. sharing their work giving them opportunities to yeah. join group promotions inviting them into author spaces mm-hmm. where those kinds of things are discussed and talked about um when you say mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah and you i mean lucy ran an author education event this year mm-hmm. um yeah and also so i would say so i made six figures before spending more than 15 dollars on marketing like and which is an outlier, but it it is possible in some of the different niches and genres yeah. to 
if you don't, if you aren't starting with a ton of money, um, and you really have only enough money for a professional cover and professional editing, editing. which are yeah. definitely non-negotiable, non-negotiable, um, that, and, and it just, it just takes more grind, you know, and, and getting out there and participating in groups and finding where the readers are and yeah, then being, Facebook. yeah. And being smart about your marketing. So one of the things we, we were talking about this earlier today here, mm-hmm. we are huge proponents of newsletter magnets, which is sign up for my newsletter and get a free bonus short story or yeah. a free bonus scene, you know? So if you've just written a book about Bill and Ted, you know, and you want to see, five years down the road when Bill and Ted have adopted a kid and are, you know, getting into trouble with somebody spilled, you know, breakfast all over the kitchen. And it's just a cute, funny, short scene. You can get it for free if you sign up for my newsletter. Mm -hmm. That was one of the first things I did. Mm -hmm. My first MM romance, I had a newsletter builder bonus epilogue Mm -hmm. and I got a lot of subscribers that way. And then definitely like the number one way that I have gotten subscribers after that is to do other newsletter builder freebie story giveaways. Yeah. That's where I've gotten a ton of them. We're planning one for January, a huge, uh, prolific works, free short story giveaway. Yeah. So any of your readers definitely come and follow us on Facebook. Yeah. If you want, if you're into MM stories, there's going to be be a ton. Literally it's, it's January 1st. I've ever been a part of for 10 days. It's going to be over 200 200. authors. Okay. We'll definitely link to them have said, cause we're all in a private group arranging and organizing. And a lot of them are like, it was supposed to be a short story, but it's a 35,000 word novella. Yeah. So there's pretty good stuff. And that's going to be us. And we try to lie and yes. say that it's not us, but it's a hundred percent going to be us. I yeah. told her yesterday, I was that the first chapter of this story was going to be super short. They say? They say? 1800 words that came in at like 2,800. So, you know, <laughs> it's like the same thing. That's okay. I started writing on it today and I only got 600 words so far. So I'll make up for it on my channel. <laughs> how, how, I mean, I can't believe you write books in like five weeks. That's awesome. But like how many words do you have a set sort of, oh, I want to try and do this many words a day or this many hours a day or this many hours a week. Like how do you guys typically write? Obviously I know COVID's crazy, but just right. in general. There's a difference between what, what our plan is mm-hmm. and what reality is. Um, our plan is we're in an accountability sprint group. Yeah. Um, where we have Slack. our, where we have our, our goal, our daily goal written right next in to our, our username. Name. Yep. And so um, mine says may three K a day. Yeah. And mine is Lucy. <laughs> a day. So we, we would like to write three K a day. That would be a great solid day. It's not outrageous to think that we could write 3000 mm-hmm. words in a day at all. Um, but it is a good solid day. Like yeah. um, what would you, cause so I can write anywhere from 800 to 1100 words in a, in a focused hour Mm -hmm. sprint. And a sprint means no distractions, no internet, no phone calls, no, I'm a little slower because I'm I'm an editor and I, and I tend, I'm a tinkerer and I tend, but I tend to have pretty, pretty solid first. My first drafts are pretty close to to what, yeah, Yeah. they're they're pretty clean. I write clean. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would say I'm more like in the six to 800 range mm-hmm. per hour. Yeah. yeah. So, but it's our full-time job. It's both yeah. of our full-time jobs. So what we do in our, in this group is we will have, we call them power hours. And so we'll say, okay, we're starting at the top of the hour. We're going to go to the 55 minutes after, and then we'll take a five minute break. Yeah. And so for those 55 minutes, we also know, cause there's a bunch of us in there. We also know if we see each other on Facebook during the 55 minutes, that somebody's doing happens. something they're not supposed to be doing. So we'll, we'll have messages all the time. This is an automated response. You're not actually seeing yeah. me here, you know, but, um, but that's, that's our goal. 
Yep. That's awesome. How have you, may have you, cause Lucy, you said you've been doing this for four years and may, how long have you been writing? So I started publishing MF in 2016. So like four and a half so years. Four years. Okay. And I think, and I published my first MM in um, 2017. So okay. we in a bit. And, and you've both been able to like replace your full-time incomes from whatever else you were doing. And <laughs> I if was you, I mean, if you mom. were, if you were working, I, I was, mean, well, no, so I was, no judgment I, here, dude, me and Shawnee, our life goal is to be, yeah, we both have, I mean, I'm married, but we both have sugar, sugar partners who support all of our creative endeavors as we are building our businesses. So no, sweat. um, well, most recently before I started writing, I was a stay at home mom. So I wasn't bringing in any income. My friend Jane and I, um, Jane Henry, who's also a romance writer in MF. Um, we, we started out saying to each other, imagine if we could make like $500 a month. There were couponers. <laughs> we were, oh my God, because one of the things we shared would be like, I went to CVS today, got all the extra care book deals. And, you know, anyway, and we used to co-write together and we would, we would plot in like the middle of the grocery store while we were couponing for cereal boxes and crap. But anyway, so we would be like, imagine if we could make $500 a month that could get our family on vacation for the year. Boom. And now, you know, that's pretty, it's pretty amazing. It's a little more than that. It's a little more than 500 bucks a month now. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's, that's I, awesome. I started um, thinking I have three teenagers and I started thinking about, okay, in the next few years, we're going to have three kids going to college theoretically, hopefully. I love that you were going to put your family through college. And I was like, I can go to Disney World. <laughs> no, I just wanted to contribute. So I was also a stay-at-home mom. I ran a tiny little quilting company. I was a pattern designer for a quilting company, which is very different from writing gay sex. Yes. But, um, but um, I just thought if I could just earn, same thing, if I could earn a couple hundred dollars a month and put it away for college, that would be great. And um, I only started four years ago and I am paying off our house, our mortgage for Christmas for my husband. Yeah. It's been, it's been been unbelievable. That is amazing. It is amazing. That is a, that is so, you guys, you guys are dope. We like you. This is exciting. (laughs) This is very exciting. Are you guys like you do that with gay romance? We're like, you guys don't understand how many of us are reading gay romance. I know we are. So I also want to ask about, cause we also have like Patreon. We, we come from like a sort of YouTube production background. where like, you sell merch. You just, it's just like part of the thing. You just do all of the things. Do you yeah. guys do other stuff or do you just focus on like publishing as many books as possible? I mean, we have to advertise as well. So like fa- uh, Facebook ads, Amazon ads, BookBub ads, um, all, all of that good stuff as well. So we definitely focus on that. But in terms of like merch, not me personally, I know some some authors in our genre do and definitely same with Patreon. I, yeah, if, if I can, that. if I can get the words on the book, that's um, an amazing day. <laughs> uh, even in non-COVID times, it's great. I, I would rather focus on that, but you know, God bless the people who can do that for Patreon because yeah. definitely some people can do that too. Yeah, I don't do those for me. I, whenever I start thinking about it, cause we were at romance author mastermind last year and Willow Winters did a presentation mm-hmm. on merch and stuff. Yeah. And, um, and she loves it. It's totally up her alley. But, um, when I start thinking about, Oh, should I be doing that? I think about how much money I can make releasing another book instead. 
Mm-hmm. And it's no question about which makes the most sense for my family. Yeah. So, cause I've thought, I've actually thought about starting a podcast for authors. And whenever I start to go down that road, I'm like a lot of time. That's a lot of time. As a podcaster, I can tell you right now, it's a lot of time. Yeah. I mean, and I think it's like where your passion lies. So if if you had a passion for merch and you were like super jazzed about that, you would make the time. Well, and I put on, so I put on this author education conference Mm -hmm. in April, which of course ended up having to go virtual. Um, But I come from a background, my background is corporate marketing, corporate event marketing. So I used to do trade shows and sales seminars and conferences. So even when I... Um, became a stay-at-home mom. And then I started my quilting business. I got super into Instagram with my quilting and built up a community there. I started a quilting retreat, a, a really big quilting retreat with sponsors and all this other stuff. So like events are my thing. I love planning events. I love getting people together. I mean, here we are doing this for the same reason. So, so I, I definitely agree that like, if it's your passion, I, I mean, doing that author education conference this year, I did that because I have a passion for authors helping other authors Mm -hmm. and for us always striving to be better at our jobs and better at what we do and writing better books. Um, so it's not, it's definitely not, not all about money and and all that kind of stuff, but yeah, I do, I do agree. I do agree. You gotta, you gotta, it's better if you have a passion for it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the only reason we're doing this. So I'll tell you a little, a fun story about me and Johnny. So it sounds actually about how you guys, when you were talking about how well, we're just going to do one little thing, we're just going to do one quick thing. So we met and became friends through mutual friends. And it was like, oh, we're just going to pitch one little project. And then Shawnee was like, I'm going to come over. Let's make this uh, vampire Christmas video. And I was like, that sounds awesome. Let's make your next music video. I'll direct that because you directed me. Let's do this new series where we're Valkyries. And then it was like, oh, you read romance novels? I read romance novels. And we talked about it for a few hours and she called me that night and was like, here's my 10-part plan about why we should start a romance novel podcast. Amazing. I, was like, I was like, I don't even need to be convinced, dude. Like, right. sign me up. After you took the time to come up with it. I know. I said, Bridget, wait, let me tell you. She was like, no, no, I'm in, I'm in. I was like, but I have 10 points. You stop at the yes. When you get the yes, yeah. you stop selling. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, yeah, let me, you know. I think it's really awesome, though, that that you guys are um, mentoring and really, Mm -hmm. like, helping people along the journey. Because, um, I mean, I think about how many times, like, like as like content creators uh, that Bridget and I are, there's been so many people along the way who are so giving with their knowledge, and which I think is the number one thing you can give anybody. The best gift you can give anybody is knowledge. And... Um, and then there was people who definitely did not want you to be in their competition or like, you know, in their niche or whatever it was. Um, and so it's very, for me, very just heartwarming to know that you're like, there's space for everybody. There's room for everybody, you know, uh, helping people along is not going to change your success um, and where you lie in the, you know, in that romance world. So, I mean, the readers are so voracious. Yeah. There's no, I, I couldn't pause. If I tried to keep them all for myself, with my, especially in the COVID time, if I tried to keep them all for myself, I couldn't keep them satisfied. There's no way. No. There's yeah. literally no way. No, so, I mean, I, I was just telling Shawnee, uh, I was like, I've had a really slow reading month. I've already read like 11 books. Yeah. <laughs> Such a slow reading month. For right, me, right. You know? I was like, I feel like I haven't even read at all. Like normally before an interview, I, I like booked this crazy other side. Like I have a consulting business and all this other stuff, but I booked this other job, which has absorbed all of my time in the last week. And 
I was like, normally I would have read probably, you know, three or four of each of your books just to like, you know, have it all fresh in the brain. And they're like, I've only read one. It's like, who am I? Who am I? Honestly, that's like, I said, Bridget. I said, Bridget, you, you got to get it together. Because Bridget, if, if you wrote a series, like Bridget will have read that entire series. Like she won't just read the first one. She will read them all. She just posted a picture in her reader group the other day total bragging picture by the way of her kindle streak oh my kindle streak she's it's big. very fucking proud of her kindle streak what is a kindle the flu what's in a january ki- which really surprised me that, what's a that kindle I, streak on, yeah on your kindle oh you can see mine is i've had it's, it's been a bad time okay <laughs> but um it tells you how many days and weeks in a row you've read oh Okay. I keep track. This is a bad thing. You don't, you, it, it's bad. It's addicting. I bet you it's addicting. It's so, so. addicting. I didn't even know this exists. I'm going to look on my Kindle right All now. Right, ready? Oh man, now you guys have got Bridget. Whoa. Look at that. Look at She's right. You guys, Whoa. she has read 628 days in a row. Whoa. 118 weeks in a row though, right? That's or almost two, that's almost two so. years. Yeah. But there was, but there was, you know, there were days in there. Yes. But this, so, so I posted it in my reader group. I'm like, I live in fear of this. I didn't know this was a thing until recently. And so I had no idea that it was an everyday, like that I had built up those numbers. And now what? I'm like, what happens if I just lose track of time? <sighs> I read myself to sleep at night. So I'm like, what happens if I don't get to bed till after midnight? And then, Wait, you know, I'm, I'm like, what do I do? Do you guys only read on Kindle or do you ever read? Cause I'm a, a big public library person. So I read a, library person. a ton of books on obviously Kindle, but also Kindle Limited now and through the public library on Kindle. Yeah. And then I also, before COVID, my my close by public library is still closed, unfortunately. But before COVID, I would be, you know, just dump myself a nice big stack and I would waddle myself home the block <laughs> no, from my library. Yeah, I don't actually read much paper. For hard many copies. paper books anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't read. What, hard what do we call those again? Book yeah. books. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. I don't. I, I, I can't read them as well because I can't turn the font size up. Yeah, on those there's things. that too. Oh. Also, I have to keep. There's, there's, see, you're younger. Things. You're younger. Yeah. See, Bridget. See, I'm not the I, only one. I can't well, track. The reason I, I only do audiobooks is because my I can't track on the page anymore. It's crazy. We have a lot of listener fans who that that they're exclusive to audio too, and it kills us. In fact. One of the things with that we are trying to do for this coming year is do audible pre-orders so that our listeners know exactly when that audio is coming out and mm-hmm. it's coming out at the same time. Ideally, right now there's still a delay. Ideally, yeah. ideally. Yeah, we're we're trying. It's yeah, working it with ACX up. on that is is a learning curve. But we're gonna try and do that because it's it kills us when we have a new release yeah. like yesterday and all of our listeners don't yeah, have you know, everyone's talking about it and everyone's all excited. And for them it's gonna be a couple of weeks. Yeah. Or yeah. like four months. Or yeah, it's bad as this long year. as it's really bad this year. Yeah, I was gonna say if it's a couple weeks, it's like it's it's sad when it's you know, like or just like doesn't exist at all. Like we said, I'm ha- so happy you guys do it because yeah, I was like I as I was picking out all these books, we had about I had I Shawnee didn't know anything about any of the books I picked, but I had about ten books that I also was very excited about, and I was trying to like get my I had ten spots, and I was like, how am I gonna fit them all in? And then I went through and like seven of them didn't have audio. So I was like, well, those are out. And, you know, it's too bad because, you know, people really liked them and they, they sounded good. And, 
Yeah. I mean, but, you guys, but, you guys got me with your description. It was like pushed him up against the barn door, and I was like, "Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, he did." <laughs> you know, but I think it's also about accessibility. One of the things that Bridget and I have been talking about a lot recently, and even when we had our YouTube channels, it's about how to make things accessible to people with you know disabilities or that sort of thing. So, yeah. like having it an audio also is not just for people who are having a hard time reading or or are working while they're listening right. to a book, but people who you know. I follow Carson Tuller. How do you pronounce his last name? I think it's Tuller on Instagram. And he's a gay male disabled advocate, big, big educator, just an amazing human being. He's adorable. Sweet potato. Yeah. Total sweet potato. And, um, but he has, has really opened my eyes to paying more attention, being more conscious of those areas because just mm-hmm. little things like he's, he has, I follow him on Instagram. And so when he does Instagram stories, having the captioning, you know, um, same thing with, I think M- Niall DeMarco, who's deaf. I follow him also. Um, follow and, him. Yeah. He's, he's more. he is really cute. Really cute. Um, but, um, but yeah, you, you, you don't know what you don't know. I say that a lot, but it's true. Yeah. You have yeah. to be aware of what you know, other people's experiences and, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You guys, this has been, what a delight. What a delightful day. This is so fun. First of all, we would like to be best friends with you guys. (laughs) We have openings. We We, this has been so fun. We just love talking about books and romance. I also appreciate your candor because a lot of people are very uh, tight-lipped about how much money they earn. And we are very like pro women, especially saying like, no, I earn this much money and I'm a badass and you can earn money. And I think that sort of helps people understand the space, understand what's possible. Um, You know, both of you guys went into it being like, I can maybe make like $500 a month. Like my mom uh, is working with this guy. She's not an author in that space, but and then she's like, well, I'm hoping I can make like, you know, a grand a month. And I was like, mom, I want you to go to this guy who's helping you, who makes millions of dollars a year and tell him how much money you want to make. And she goes, he laughed in my face. And I was like, yeah, because I told you, you can make $100,000 a month, mom. Like your niche is specific, you know, and huh? I think it's great. Like women, you know, I, I want, agree. I I want everybody to reach for the stars. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But I think, you know, for us, we, and we've talked a lot about this, like it is it's still work. You know, I don't want every, I don't, that's why we're really careful. You know, when we sort of talk about the money, because you can make amazing, there are a lot of authors making life changing. I make life changing money. I never expected to make this much money. I never expected to even make more than my husband or anything like that. Like it's, it's crazy money, but I work really hard, really hard. I mean, we set, I mean, we work from home, we set our alarm. We don't live anywhere near each other at all. Um, but we set our alarms for six 45 in the morning and we meet each other online at seven. And I mean, we're still talking to each other at 11 o'clock at night, a lot of nights. Um, I mean, we do, I mean, I take have, a few hour nap in the middle of the day. Yeah. And, and I have, I have kids that yeah, are home to, homeschooling and, um, yeah, I mean, dinner. Yeah. Things. Yeah. It's dinner. not the only thing we do, but right. we do work very but, hard. And I at think it. that's the thing is, as you know, when you work from home and when you work for yourself, mm-hmm. there's never, there's really not a time when it never you, there's never a time when you are, are going to not be yeah. available. Yeah, so sure. 
and I think we actually have, we maybe struggle a little bit on the other side of like oh, needing yeah. to draw some, yeah. some work-life boundaries, mm-hmm. but yeah. Well, you're trying. I'm not even trying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's so like, I'm going to take Sundays off. I'm like, really? What do I do? I talk, I'll see you on Sunday. I talk about taking Sundays <laughs> off and I'm like, well, I didn't earn it this week. <laughs> I know. And then I have friends. That's that the thing. Say, you either, it's either that's the thing about taking the day off. You don't, you can't, you can't put it. So right. you Friends it. send me memes that are like, rest doesn't have to be earned. And I'm like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I, that's one thing about COVID that I feel like oh, we've been able to produce a lot more stuff is like, there's no, there's no like events you have to go to. There's yeah, no yeah. weekend plans. There's no, and we had you travel. Know, we had a lot of conferences. Yeah, we did too. We, yeah. Yeah. And that's everything was canceled. <laughs> I'm happy to stay home and like focus. Yeah. 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 I only see Bridget. Like, I was like, I don't see anybody. I see Bridget. We were just talking about that today and about how, how much better I think it's been or easier it's been for us. And I don't, I shouldn't speak for all authors, but for us, maybe particularly. Our lives didn't change that much. Our lives didn't change that much. And, and so many of our friends are online. Already. So, th- already, so those yeah. relationships haven't we changed. It's not like that. we were yeah. going into an office and getting like an interaction that we're not getting anymore. And that kind of, yep. thing. So we were, Oh, we, we both agree a hundred percent because we both work from home primarily or with each other primarily uh, versus our partners who worked in offices or in studios with all these other people. And they are like going bad shit crazy. And we're like, well, it's not that bad. <laughs> I'm still, still at home in my pajamas, just like I always was. For, for me, the only thing, I mean, and it didn't happen until I got back from uh, Florida. I was actually spent most of COVID in Florida with my parents, but um, it's that I'm used to being home by myself. And then when you have somebody who's home with you, yes. you know, and we, yes. live in, we, live in, we live in a tiny apartment, like a studio. So it's only one room, yeah. uh, you know, then it was like, what are you doing here? Why are you here all day? <laughs> Don't you have somewhere to be? Don't you have somewhere to go? <laughs> Yeah, I keep telling her, I'm like, just come to my house. I have more than one room. You can have your own you have little, little room. little kids, though. Nobody wants that. They're little at daycare. Kids. Those fools are at daycare. <laughs> <laughs> my husband was off for a while. His his company was paying him to stay home for a couple of months, which is amazing. But then he'd be like all up in my business, like, yeah. what do you want to do for lunch? And I was so, like... So this is why, you know what? Don't beat yourself. Now I know why you didn't write as many books. Oh yeah, for sure. Because you had kids homeschooling and those yeah. mofos always want a snack. They always yeah. want to talk to you. I ask you a question. You don't need to talk to me. I'm working. Go oh, away yeah. from here. About and this the tr- most trivial stuff too. About yes. my my. Did daughter. you know that the cat has four legs? <laughs> that. Four hey mom, legs. watch this cool jump. I'm like, I don't, I don't want you jump. <laughs> Mine are older, so it's more like it's more like TikToks coming mm. into my text, yeah. into the group text, or like my daughter will be incensed. She's there, she, I'm filled with non-specific rage. Is her she's 16, right? So that's she says this stuff all the time. So she's like, I'm filled with non-specific rage about like whatever, whatever her thing of the day is, like whether it's a political thing or or some Hamilton yeah. remix that she's seen, <laughs> or like, or a book that she's read, yeah. or, or yeah. a K drama. Yeah. And then she will recount to me every detail. Shawnee loves K dramas. That I, but like, I've, that's great when you've watched them. But to like hear them. Yeah. No, I, like, no, I'm with you. I'm like, every time she talks about them, I'm like, that's really cool. K dramas <laughs> are so melodramatic. They're so melodramatic. There's no way you can recount them because 
nothing happens in them. <laughs> but like not in nothing a, happens. It's emotion for me. And it's like, <laughs> I don't get it. I also because you were talking, you made a comment about dinner earlier, and I was like, oh, that hits so hard because dinner comes every day and every day. Every you day. Out, you have to figure out what everyone's eating. Those losers have just eaten and they need to eat again. I mean, <laughs> my kids are all my kids are home. And so the five of us, three meals a day. It's horrible. Like, it's horrible. Again, again, we I would say if you look at our budget this year. We have spent more money on DoorDash and Uber Eats, Instacart. I mean, yeah. I could have put a kid through college probably for what we've been paying I for. I can't. When I think about but, my yeah. Instacart, days, forget Instacart. It is. That's obscene. I, I spend as much in one Instacart as I used to spend in a month of groceries. Mm-hmm. And that's the damn truth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah. I, asked yeah my, I, I asked my, I don't have any kids. Thank God. But, um, but I, so this last year, Bridget has been on this journey with me. I decided I was going to take a year to decide, like really decide, do I want kids really think about it, whatever, because I'm, I'm getting to the older end of the spectrum Mm -hmm. in terms of that. And so, um, I've just been asking everybody about their, their thing, like what, you know, do you like having kids? What's this? If you could do it over, what would you do? This sort of thing. And I asked my sister and, and she said, basically what you guys, she said, she said, like, she's like, I love being a mom there, Yes. There's some juggling things that were, that are weird, but you figure it out. But she's like, but dinner, I gotta make that shit. Every, I gotta be <laughs> that kid. Fucking day. Every day. Bridget, and Bridget's like, it's not three meals a day. It's like three meals, four snacks. And, <laughs> and, and, and there's no days off from feeding kids. And, no, and they have like, to eat all the time. And mine are so little, they can't do anything. They can't even get their yeah, own but snacks like, yet. Wait till they learn how to work the microwave. That's like the best wait thing Wait till ever. they can install the Instacart app on their phones. And then you've got Instacart deliveries showing up of like <laughs> Pringles. You know, because like... Uh, that's funny i tell i tell uh yeah i mean i think the hardest part right now is like i would be at home and they would be at daycare oh the older one and then i had the little one who was at home for a long time before she started daycare but my husband being at home at lunchtime has been a real killer because i used to just open the fridge and whatever leftovers were there i would throw on top of lettuce and that would be a salad <laughs> didn't matter what the leftovers were fried chicken that's a salad pasta that's a salad <laughs> didn't matter and my husband would be like well what are we going to eat are we going to order out are we going to go somewhere it's are you gonna, like are, are we going to make something <laughs> i'm like okay when you say we is that a royal we where or are, <laughs> you're happy to eat whatever you want to make honey yeah that's, that's what i tell you and i finally like midway through covid this summer, because LA has been like super locked down the whole time. Like yeah. midway through, I was like, when the kids are at daycare, I'm not responsible for anyone's food. I don't want to be asked. If you want to order food and you want to say, hey, Bridget, I'm ordering tacos. Do you want tacos? That is an okay question. Otherwise, I don't want to be involved in your food. I don't want to be involved in whatever you're talking. I don't want to think through it. Mm-hmm. I will find my own shit. You yeah. deal with yourself. Please don't involve. Because like the mental, like, I'm trying to remember like which vegetables your kids have eaten that day. He starts by texting me at like 11. What are we doing for lunch today? Yeah. Brutal. You decide. Make a choice. (laughs) And then at like 11.45, you never answered me. And then at like 12, I'm on a call for another 30 minutes. Do you want to do something at 12.30? And then at 12.30, why aren't you ready? Do you have your shoes on? And I'm like, I could have just had like Tostitos. I was going to say Pop-Tart. And then I'm like... (laughs) 
has not set a good example. <laughs> I mean, I'm being Nobody real. Needs to know the reality. It's very accurate. It I could have just opened accurate. a can of soup from the closet. There I didn't need to go I anywhere. Put in one of your little salads. <laughs> Let's yes. we eat salad and soup. <laughs> Maybe if we lived in Los Angeles. If it's a bread plus you guys, cheese product. Did, did yeah. you did you catch that my salad was just lettuce with leftovers? <laughs> you you at least have the lettuce. Iceberg. Yeah. That's yeah. what I always tell them at Chipotle, like after they make the bowl and they get to the lettuce, I go put like a tiny bit of lettuce so I can feel like I'm being healthy. <laughs> Sprinkle it on top. <laughs> Sprinkle it on top. Treat it like croutons, really. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let, well, let us be. <laughs> oh my gosh, you guys, Lucy, May, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This was so fun. I feel like we should all be best friends. Thank you. And get together in non-COVID times, and of course, be in touch about some delicious male male romance. This has been okay. so fun. Thank you so much. Thanks for hanging in with us, romance readers. Head over to Instagram to continue chatting with us. We're super friendly. We want to cackle with you. We want to know what your favorite sex scene was. And we need more book recommendations. If you want to read along with us, go to our website, romanceataglance.com, to see what we're reading next. And we'll see you next podcast.